For over 30 years, the Phoenix Theater has hosted midnight showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. These screenings feature a live cast acting out the movie, audiences dressed in lingerie, and basically all sorts of hijinks and debauchery. Tonight, we are thrilled to host two members of Barely Legal, the troupe that performs Rocky at the Phoenix Theater, as well as all over the greater Bay Area. So we say, welcome, Bridget McGinnis. Absolutely. Hello, welcome, Bridget. thank you. And welcome, Zena Waterman. And Zena. Excellent. <laughs> They were just here, right? The about 18th a week of October. And that was yeah. a spectacular show. Actually, you guys, you, you guys just knocked it out of the park, and so did the crowd. It yeah, was a wonderful it was so night. much fun. Yeah, it really was. So, for the total outsider, we should discuss both what the movie is and what you guys do in regards to the movie. So, let's start with Barely Legal. That's the group that you guys perform with. What is Barely Legal? Um, Barely Legal is an independent production company that basically just does the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But lately, we have branched out to do other things as well. But we produce the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's like our thing. We, we do it all over the place. And so how long have you been doing this, Bridget? Um, 18 years. And then how long have you been doing it, Zena? I've been on Barely Legal for two years now. Two years. And how long has Barely Legal been doing it around the Bay Area? Uh, I want to say, I don't know, do the math, since 1995. Boy, we were doing it here by 1983 when I when I got back here, wow. and uh, yeah, I've been doing it. Uh, it has been saving the Phoenix Theater's budget for, whew, yeah, over 30 years. Oh, now. we're happy to. Okay, <laughs> so people perform Rocky Horror Picture Show, Shadowcast perform Rocky Horror Picture Show all over the world. Yes. Why this movie over pretty much every other movie? Why do you think anyway? Um, well, a lot, a lot of reasons. Uh, the music is fantastic. It kind of stands the yeah, test of time. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, the subject matter, everyone, well, not everyone, but most people can relate to. Like, I know that sounds really strange. The don't dream it, be it thing where yeah. people can relate to um, being an outcast or being weird in one way or another and having it be normal. Then also it's just a really wonderful parody of a horror film. Seems like the outsider aspect is really a strong one. Everyone is accepted. Men dressed as women and women dressed as men. And, and yeah. I always thought that thought it was very interesting. Actually. You know, our first shows in Petaluma, uh, the fact that we were doing them in Petaluma, they were uh, security issues in those days for us in the 80s. And uh, starting up at least into the 90s for a little while, uh, they were there was big security that was required at those shows uh, because we were in uh, we were in Petaluma, which was still kind of a rancher town in, in in those days. And on a Friday or Saturday night, depending on what night we were doing it, uh, you have a lot of bar action, and you would get some angry drunks up here, and, and we'd have to make sure that. Uh, that we could keep the two groups separate. I've been a part of the show probably for six years now. Really, we haven't had any yeah, issues, but the town has changed a lot. The town has changed And like an you awful said, lot. It, it used to be a much more agricultural town. Hard drinking, hard, drinking, uh, hard, hard living, hard, hard uh, living. ranchers who yeah. wouldn't take kindly to this well, sort of thing. Yeah, in their or or wannabe ranchers, actually. Yeah. And, and uh, as, as our ranchers' numbers dwindled in town, the, there was a, still a large group of the, who would like to identify themselves as that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you get them on a Friday or Saturday night, and this still looks, uh, it looked really weird. 
you had a lot of guys walking out of this building at 2.30 in the morning when the bars were all getting out wearing gold Lamaze shorts. But so to perform in Barely Legal or any of the other troops, it's not really a money-making endeavor. Uh, you know, maybe you'll make $20, $10, maybe oh, nothing. Prob- nothing. Yeah. Usually we've already spent that money on our costumes and whatever we needed for yeah. the show right. on the way. So Gas. A normal person might look at that formula and say, I don't get it. Why? Well, okay, if you want to be an actor in an independent theater company, you know that there's no pay, really. Yeah. And, and being in the Rocky Horror Picture Show or in Barely Legal, you get way more stage time than you do doing any other shows. We, you get a, a show that's twice a month, plus we have other things that we work on, too. So you're learning your craft. You're getting yeah. to, even though it's a shadow cast, it is still acting. And yeah. we, we have stage and theater experience well beyond many other people that... Yeah, and actually, theater. there's a lot of us that have our day gigs, yeah, and that's what sustains us. But uh, if if that's what you're living for is just to do your day gig, then uh, you don't have much life. If you, or maybe you do, if you love not doing anything. But <laughs> <laughs> this is a, an absolute outlet for you guys, and just like again, uh, some of the, the uh, many of the rock and roll players here, the wrestlers, and and uh, and you guys get a lot of art with yours. There's no doubt about, it. and still the music. You've I mean, heard I- these songs uh, uh, over and over over again i love it i, I love think it, like yeah. i said i think richard o'brien is a genius yeah i do too. who had like the forethought to, i mean don't you think he had to think like this is going to stand the test of time i mean he had to it's put together so well i think he's pinned his whole life to it it better have. yeah right i mean <laughs> yeah. it's just i think it's genius the way yeah. it's put together the music is brilliant and so you would say that you are heading the ship in barely legal yes okay mm-hmm. i would say that how long <laughs> how long has that been going since 98 have you had any run-ins with anybody who is at least tangentially involved with Rocky Horror Picture Show? You mean like the, the actors? cast or the oh, actors? Oh yeah. yeah. When my my best friend Zora Bardia married her husband mm-hmm. Nick Bardia at the 25th anniversary in Las Vegas, oh, and Richard O'Brien was in attendance. Beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. And I got to hug him and tell him I thought he was amazing. Yeah. So Rocky Horror Picture Show. Describe it to someone who's never seen it before. Oh, um, it's a parody of a 1940s. Uh, sci-fi horror film, kind of like Young Frankenstein. It's a musical. The the I always say that the uh, the scientist in the in the film is a transvestite, not a queen. <laughs> He's a transvestite, and he introduces Brad and Janet, who are two um, recently engaged uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, to something that they've never seen before, and it ultimately changes their lives. Yeah. I usually wind up telling them more about coming to see the show and the whole experience about being whoever you want to be just completely yourself or being some kind of alter ego you created you can come dressed up as a vampire or like i said earlier in your underwear not even attractive underwear you can come in your granny panties and no one cares you know when i took this over um theaters were were throwing out their rocky horror cast there yeah. were things were going south and they, you know there was a lot of pc situations happening and yeah. people were worried about damage people were worried about their children being exposed to things they didn't want them to there were mm. some protests at some theaters um, wow really yeah not at ours thank goodness okay. but at some in san jose were getting protests by religious groups so when i took it over not knowing not knowing you when i even when i came back to pitch it to you since i don't know what what envelopes we can push i i tend to to produce the tamer version you know yeah. and that way i know i've got longevity and i've only lost a theater because it went out of business not because they've yeah. th- asked us to leave or anything and we've only been we've been doing the show for 18 years with only two months off 
the entire oh. time. Yeah, and, right. and the audiences have mellowed out over the years. Like yeah. I say, it was a shooting match here in the first uh, boy all through the eighties oh, and, and nineties. It was, but it was a hoot. I was younger and up for it anyway. <laughs> uh, my staff was up for it. We, uh, the wilder and crazier, we were quite happy with. Oh and yeah, we're very lucky out here with you because you're very tolerant. No, I think you know, you know what. Again, I think uh, you had reminded me, Jim. Really, of all the years, the only complaint I think I ever got about Rocky was when. Yeah, some kid came home with a bunch of hickeys all over him that our Rocky cast had sent him home with. Uh, well, okay, oh so so we talked about this earlier. Arnie, uh, who's a board member, he was telling me that you know theater kids all make out with each other. That's their thing. But when you, I, you, when know, you have a, but when you have a show as sexual as Rocky Horror, it leads to a lot of interesting dynamics. Yeah, and the I don't cast. encourage right. that. And mm-hmm. so uh, one day he recalled back when he was 18 and there was a kid who was in the cast who was 16. Yeah. And everybody thought it would be funny to give everybody else hickeys. They kind of oh jumped in. And yeah. this one guy in particular, his name is Alex Navarro. He has a lot of history in this building, actually. Uh, yes, he does. I believe he's a, a video game reviewer now, actually. Yeah, yeah. But they gave him hickeys, I guess, Shout like from to head Alex. to toe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, he, oh, no. <laughs> so he went home and his parents saw it. They were not pleased. They came down and talked to oh, Tom. We had a discussion. You know, but again, they were... <laughs> but they're they're a very open-minded couple. They're really pretty special people themselves. So yeah, it was it was something I didn't know was happening anyway, and I wouldn't have encouraged that. Good heavens! Arnie had another funny story to tell me. Um, oh. He uh, well, he he said this to me. He said, "My chest is about as hairy as yours." And full disclosure, my chest is pretty hairy. <laughs> and he said that when he was playing Frankenfurter, he had to shave his chest. So he thought one night he would do Nair instead. And the nair gave him Uh-oh. a chemical burn, and his nipples scabbed all the way over. And he didn't. Ha- and he didn't have nipples for about a month. Oh no! Oh my goodness! <laughs> this is something that anybody listening, if you were thinking nair, probably don't do that. See, we don't require that. I do suggest <laughs> that people try to, you know. Uh, what you, what manicure themselves, I guess. But I don't require that. Did you know that Mick Jagger wanted the role of uh, Dr. Frankenfurter, but he didn't get it? Uh, there's a little Rocky Horror trivia stuff. Steve Martin auditioned for the role of Brad, but mm. Barry Boswick got oh it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> that would have been totally different. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. There's a good story about Tim Curry uh, meeting Princess Diana. Do you know this story? No. no. Princess Diana and Prince Charles were at some performance that Curry was doing, and Prince Charles only vaguely recognized Curry from seeing him on television, but Princess Diana took Curry aside and said with a wicked smile that Rocky Horror had, quote, quite completed her education. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. It's awesome. (laughs) And my favorite story that I know about behind-the-scenes Rocky Horror Picture Show is that I guess Meatloaf had uh, accepted the job without really reading the script. He just knew the songs. So he didn't realize what he was getting into until Tim Curry showed up in costume and they were singing Sweet Transvestite. (laughs) And I guess Meatloaf said in this interview he did with VH1 that he was so shocked that he walked out of the theater in the middle of production and even tried running away from the theater only to get a ticket for jaywalking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. He seems pretty conservative. Yeah, Yeah. He had it coming. And Graham Jarvis, the actor uh, who played the narrator, talked him into staying. Wow, excellent. (laughs) Time Warp is probably the most iconic song, at least the most uh, outsiders know that song. And did you know that supposedly it was written to fill space as the original stage production was only 40 minutes long? Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, who knows if all this stuff is true that I'm reading, but it probably is. It probably is, I bet. And it really needs it. You know, it's amazing. It's definitely. And did you know that the set builders forgot to put an extra door in the lab set, and that is why Dr. Scott has to crash through the yes, wall for his I entrance? Yes, I did know that. That I did 
yes. Yeah, but that's great because that is that's the toilet paper, isn't it? Great Scott. Yep, Great Scott. And that's yeah. what's you know yep. what? So when it was when we were a movie theater and we had the big thirty five millimeter projector with the thousand watt uh, xenon bulb. A uh, huge light coming through the projector to, to project up on a screen. It's it's projecting a great distance in this house. Uh, during that scene, when all of the toilet paper, uh, Scott, Doctor Scott comes crashing through the wall, and everybody in the audience seems to have a roll of toilet paper. Yes. And the toilet paper just starts flying through the air. It would reflect in the light, and it would become daytime in here. The oh, most amazing. incredible thing. That's one of the things that I miss the most about not being a thirty-five millimeter is mm-hmm. that particular scene. Well, you Absolutely know what I miss incredible. about thirty-five millimeter is the timing. I performed a 35 millimeter for so many years that when we switched to the Blu-ray, the timing is different. It sounds different. No kidding. And then, yeah, and some of the lines are affected too because there's no there's no black spot on Janet's arm today. I would use those. Was that the changeover cue? Yeah. Wow. That's when she's like standing, you know, frozen, and and then you know how much time you've got to change based on these lines that people are yelling. Yeah. And then and and just the timing of everything was is so different. Different. It just runs at a different speed. Uh, yeah. You know. Do you recall times when you've had to think on your toes when technical things have gone wrong? Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. You know that we have. I think you guys had to sing through a, a we show. We have to here. do it. We've had to do that more than once. Son of we a have to do that Well, there was once. an incident here for people yes. who aren't at this table <laughs> where I believe what did the sound stop working or did the video just stop the working completely? Video stop. The entire thing stopped. Video yeah, and sound. Yeah. It just wouldn't quit jumping. And so this was in the middle of the movie. It, it was, was towards actually towards the end. And it was yeah, at going home. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we're towards the end. Show. Yeah, floor show. Yeah. Oh, and so what did you do? Well, whenever that happens, we just sing. Yeah. The first time that ever happened to us was um, at the El Cerrito. It was in El Cerrito at the Cerrito Theater. And we had just, the, the parkway had just closed and they moved us to the Cerrito Theater because they owned both of those. Beautiful. Well, we used to manage also. People, the, the staff would go home. So we would just close up because we clean and everything. We would we would end up. What they would put away the the money and we would close up the theater. Yeah, after we were done, wow. they would just leave us. <laughs> well, so the projectionist had gone home, and there was no staff, and the movie just stopped. And that was right before takeover scene, right before Riff and Magenta come down. And how far into the movie is that? Yeah, that's it's pretty close to the end, but there's a lot of time left. Yeah, right. a lot of time. <laughs> wow. And so we and I'm stand, looking at the Frankenfurter. And he has to, you know, we're going to say our lines. And, and so we, we say our lines coming down and we know that he has to sing. Actually, it was right before that. Was I going home to it? I don't know why it's always at that point. It's always he has like to sing. <laughs> and so he's staring at me like terrified. And I'm standing there in character and the audience is full. Wow. And I'm just, I'm looking at him. And I'm just saying, on the day. And he's like, what? I'm like, on the day I went away. And I just start singing at him. And he's like, wow. oh, my God. You expect me to do that? Oh I'm like, God. yes, I do. Yes, and we just started singing. And yes. then everybody, the audience started singing, too. Yes. And then we delivered our lines. And we did, like, the whole rest of the film that way. That was the first time. So we were prepared wow. when it happened here. So <laughs> It's become yeah. a rule that everybody were, knows their right. lines yeah, that you, well. Yeah, you, you pulled it off. I, I was uh, happily in shock that we were able to pull that off. One of the first things I learned in the movie industry from uh, one of my very original movie bosses was, my God, whatever you do, don't give them their money back. Well, yeah, and the show goes on. I mean, it just show does, right? You know, yeah. and then yeah. the, at the end, the MC apologizes and says, but wasn't that great? And everybody says, yay, yeah. and nobody yeah. asked for the money yeah. back. I can't yeah. believe the, the staff of the theater just left you guys alone yeah, in the building with the audience? Yeah, they would do that all the time. They would just let us leave. That theater eventually went under, too, but <laughs> it wasn't our fault. Uh, that, no. <laughs> but that night, too, we were upstairs. We were in the upstairs theater rather than the downstairs theater, and the audience had gotten so excited and dancing and so much that the actual um, the, the ceiling started to fall down. Well, ceiling falling down and they leave you with the keys to the theater. Yep. I can't
can't understand why the place didn't stay open. I know, uh, right? Bizarre. I mean, but we were very good. We, yeah. were, we took care you of were. it. So that's a great little, absolutely unique to your situation story. Do you have any other like crazy stories from? Weird venues, weird managers, weird things on the road. I mean, what you guys do is so unique. Oh, and well, so you've had experiences that other people could never possibly have, and that's why it's. We've had to we've had like you know we like to say that we don't have any drama. We've had cast drama that's caused so, oh, yeah. so issues. The Kabuki <laughs> Theater, um, there was a, a a fight ensued between two people that were dating in the dressing room, which oh, yeah. which carried out into the lobby in, in their underwear, <laughs> and then into the stairwell <laughs> where is there it, was is like this a, a man and a woman fighting. Yes, it was okay. a man and a woman, and it was the Trixie, and she was in her underwear in the Frankenfurter. And they it, they just spilled out into the lobby in their underwear, basically arguing and then running into the stairwell. And and what happened was the theater management locked down the stairwell when and we were all in there actually trying to get down to the stage. And we had wow. walkie talkies back at the time because it was such a big theater. So I'm I'm in the stairwell and I can't get out because the doors are locked. I don't know what's going on. That's like a scene out of Spinal. And I'm like <laughs> I'm messaging on this walkie talkie because we didn't even have cell phones. I don't think at the time. Like, hey, what's going on? And the other person I'm talking to is like, I think it was one of the other directors, like a technical director. He was like. Yeah, the management is locked down the stairwells. You're going to be in there for several minutes. Just hold tight. I'm going to figure this out. I'm stuck with all the costumes and all the props and everything in the stairwell. Wait, what have you got? And Trixie and, and uh, Doctor Frankenfurter fighting at the fighting same time. Fighting in in the lobby in the stair. And there was and the whole thing that happened was there was a, a apparently a mouse stuck to some strip of whatever, and the Trixie just freaked out. Oh, oh no! And it was just a big mess. And yeah, so, yeah. mouse strips. People you know, were Arnie fired. Let that me night. do that here with <laughs> your people were fired. But right. the, the thing is, though, with, with regular theater, and I've I've directed other theater productions too is you get the drama you get to that point where people are arguing people hate each other's guts they just can't stand to be around each other anymore and then but then all of a sudden you have a closing night Oh, and yeah. everybody's like, yay, I love you. Wasn't Here's that great? Well, we don't have that. Yeah. yeah no. We don't end. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we never have a closing night. keeps going. Right. So I somehow have to create a closing night at the end of every show to people, so people are happy and love each other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? What was life like for both of you before Rocky Horror entered your lives? I'll have to think about it. You go. <laughs> well, for me, um, before seeing the cast live and joining on cast, um, I wasn't working. I had one friend <laughs> and um, one, I had two friends, actually. One of them had moved away to San Jose, who actually, she's the one who got me involved on cast. And I just basically, I was always the weirdo kid in school. I got picked on a lot for just being kind of strange, you know, and then, so I was just kind of always at home. I kept to myself. I hung out with my parents. I always thought they were the coolest people in the world. And then, <laughs> that's good. They pretty, right. They're pretty cool. Though. And then, um, so after I joined cast, it was like, oh, there's people who are weird in the way that I'm weird, and they don't care. <laughs> and so once I joined cast, it was like gaining another family, basically. And yeah. I just made tons of friends, and I I came out of my shell. Um, she can probably even tell you something a little about that. When I first joined, I was like terrified to talk to anyone like it was I didn't know what to do like and then Mila how she was like oh you should totally be Janet with me and I was like okay yeah like I was really excited at the same time I was like terrified I had never been on a stage never even close and then all of a sudden I'm learning all these dances and putting together this ridiculous costume with this bright yellow wig. Well, your your life kind of followed the arc that Janet uh, follows in the movie then. <laughs> a little she, bit. she has an awakening. There's she is yeah. uh, boy she starts as the very proper and very sedate mm-hmm. young woman and and in the end uh, finds herself and uh, wow. Were you satisfied with your life prior to Rocky? Like was was it sort of a downer, or were you just like, well, I guess this is just the way it is? I was comfortable with it. I just, you know, I 
had my hobbies. I was sewing and drawing and just kind of in my own world. And then I came and met all these people and realized that it's I can interact with people and not get made fun of for it. And I totally came out of my shell. And wow. now I'm doing burlesque and <laughs> playing <laughs> Janet Weiss. It is quite a phenomenon. Yeah, Transylvanian you don't see the like... comparison there for crying. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to a lot of people that way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I didn't yeah. swear at all. <laughs> I didn't. If you had talked about sex with me, I would have been like, uh-uh, I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. Before. And then how old were you when you found out about Rocky or when you met actually met the troupe and all that? I was 18. 18, okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So it changed your life forever. Oh, yeah, definitely. And on to Bridget. Oh, uh, well, I was 25. I was a late bloomer, I guess. But yeah, like I said, it was it changed everything for me. I wanted to be on stage, though. I was always kind of like outgoing. Were you I performing to be on stage. B- before that? Um, well, I was a, a cheerleader in high school okay. and in college. Yeah. I That's got thrown <laughs> off the squad, though, so I'm cool. What? <laughs> what did you do to get thrown off the squad? Um, well, I had I had an or- an orange mohawk, and they didn't allow that. They wow. wanted you know you have to have the blonde hair or the or the you know nice hair. With you the, were definitely the working on Rocky at that point, kind of. But it was different. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was different. I was like a little punk kid. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but then when I but then when I became older and I came out to California. I changed and I wasn't swearing and I was like trying to be all proper and try to get good grades and trying to, you know, get through my, through college and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I did. That's but a good then thing to do. When I found this, it, it just totally changed my perspective Had on, you on theater too. I did graduate. Oh, thank yes. God. Changed your life forever. <laughs> it did change my life forever. Yeah, I became... <laughs> I feel like I became successful at this and I never thought, you know, I would do more acting now than I probably ever would have. We will be able to watch you doing this until the end of your life, you think? I think I will die doing, <laughs> doing going that. home. That's uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I imagine I'll be in a wheelchair with dementia, still hollering at people to like, no, two steps, one, five, six, seven, eight, stop, no, light that. That's oh, what I'll be doing. But I won't, I there'll be no one around, I'll just be hollering. Well, Tom, you've been watching the show for 30 years and you yes, still enjoy watching yeah, weirdly enough, there are still some scenes that I absolutely want to come and see. And, geez, I got home late the other night. It was after a movie, and I hope it wasn't after Rocky. And I found myself watching the movie at home. Jeez. <laughs> wow, that's serious. great. For the music, though. I mean, I really do enjoy No, there's a bunch of stuff. Again, I got to admit, I love watching Susan Sarandon in, in this movie. Mm-hmm. She is spectacular. And, and uh, Yeah. And uh, Tim Curry, absolutely incredible. Uh, Richard O'Brien, there's some so many great performances. Little Nell mm-hmm. has some incredible moments in this thing. And every time you watch it, you notice something different, something yeah. else, I think. Yeah. For me, the best performances are done by Barely Legal. And so yeah, I want to say thank you guys for coming Yay. and doing it so much. Absolutely. We really appreciate you coming, and uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I talk wow. a lot. That's well, okay. we need that. This is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, they're not watching. They have to hear. I'm like, oh, no, I'm talking too much. No, no, that's why we, we bring can't you guys both on. not talk. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. No, no, your thing about coming out of your shell, that's yeah, amazing. That was, that oh, was yeah, that's really so beautiful. That and I was, thought you weren't going to even talk now, so that's exciting. Yeah. Yay, look yeah. at you. 